Welcome to the Best of Seven Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Phillips. And for this week, I'm going to step aside because we decided to do this week's topic of ranking the Fast and the Furious movies, counting them down for the top seven, basically, as we always do on this podcast. But a uh, little secret, I don't know anything about the Fast and the Furious franchise. I've seen one. They were in Brazil. It was entertaining. But I thought that the best way to do this was to bring in two experts on the subject. So we have from the big lead.com, Liam McCune, and from the big lead.com, Stephen Douglas. It's really convenient. They both work with me and they are Fast and the Furious fans. They know what they're talking about. So I'm going to step aside, let Liam and Stephen take over and count down the best movies from the Fast and the Furious franchise. Guys, are you excited about this? I know you've talked about this and, 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 often fill our Slack channel with statements about Fast and the Furious. I, I'm just wondering where you're both at here. Uh, Fast and the Furious 9 comes out on June 25th. That is what we're doing this in honor of. It's Fast 9. It's a big event, monumental event for people like me and Steven. And I would say I'm uh, pretty, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Very excited about it. Steven, how you so you're, Yeah, wait, I have a question here. I, where, rank your fandom of Fast and the Furious 1 to 10. Uh, oh, he's uh, nine for me. Oh, nine? Yeah, nine, nine sounds good. Yeah. So you're both just huge, enormous fans of yeah. this yeah. franchise. I, I watch them whenever they're on. Yeah, uh, we're, and I think that you know we're a little bit far enough removed that we can be objective about the flaws of the movies, but we still both love them, and hence why we're going to dedicate some podcast time to talk about it today. All right, I'm stepping out. You guys enjoy this. This is your field. Uh, <laughs> use all the space in the room you need to, and have a blast. I look forward to listening, guys. We thank Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. Now it is just best of seven, best of eight, Liam and Steven edition. Now, before we get started, we are going to clarify that Hobbs and Shaw does not count on the official Fast and Furious rankings for us personally. It's a spinoff. It's more of an action comedy than an action blockbuster. We both enjoyed the film, but we didn't feel fair to include in the rankings here. But we will be ranking all the movies from the original 2001 version to the 2018 version, uh, Fate of the Furious. So to get started, Steven, we are going to go from bottom to top here. So what is your lowest ranked overall Fast and the Furious? Well, thank you, Liam. My seventh ranked Fast and the Furious movie is Fast and Furious, the fourth film the one that rebooted the franchise, uh, the one that brought Paul Walker back into the fold, that brought the original family back pretty much and kicked off pretty much the second decade of the series. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. I think we both recognize that it's important to the overall plot, you know, development and kind of, you know, 100% this is the movie that sets up what we now know as Fast and the Furious. But in terms of overall movie quality, yeah, I'm inclined to agree that it's pretty bad. I mean, the uh, the, the the villain here, this this Braga guy, not a lot going for him. Doesn't really drive anything. Letty's vague disappearance is sort of a, you know, it's the pivotal plot device. But I don't feel like it's very strong. However, I would say that the car chase scene at the end of Fast and Furious, where they are going through the tunnels on the border of Mexico. I don't remember which direction they're going, but through the border of Mexico, I thought that was really great, which is why for me, that movie is a little bit higher. But why do you have that ranked as the last one? Yeah, I, I think it's probably, it's the second worst of the first eight for me. Um, 
Yeah, the the Fast and Furious part where they're actually driving the cars is very good, but the actual plot and what they're trying to accomplish, you know, it's all meh. Uh, it does introduce uh, Giselle, you know, as I said, it brings Paul Walker back, it introduces some new characters and sets it up, but it's just, it's weaker, you know, it's, it doesn't have a lot going for it besides the fact that it's in this universe. Yeah, and I think that the whole concept of Brian O'Connor towing the line between cop and criminal is outdone at this point, which brings me into what I believe to be the worst of the Fast and the Furious movies, which will surprise anybody who knows me and is listening to this podcast because I am a known hater of Tokyo Drift. But upon consideration for these rankings, my least favorite Fast and the Furious movie is Too Fast, Too Furious. I do love Brian and Tyrese's whole, you know, thing there. I love, I love the bro love, you know, the buddy cop stuff or quasi buddy cop stuff. But I thought the villain in that movie, Carter Verone, was awful. I didn't really understand uh, Eva Mendez's like whole thing. I knew she was an undercover cop, but it, just, it's, it, was, it was too vague for most of the movie. And the actual car scenes were terrible. For a movie about cars that stemmed from this was the first true sequel to the original Fast and the Furious, the car scenes were terrible with the exception of the very end where Brian drives his car into a boat like that was cool, but he just kind of went straight the whole time. So I don't know the the car the car scenes which are like the backbone of this these movies if you could get, call it that were poor in that one and I think that's why it ranks lowest for me. Yes, Too Fast Too Furious is definitely the one that I left off my top seven. Uh, it's just a bad movie, um, and it it doesn't resemble either the movie that came before the original or any of the movies that came after it. It just, it was a mess. It was not, it was not good. The Tyrese, you know, was a nice addition, uh, even though his acting back then was a little more uh, forced. Now it's kind of like he's playing a character, but back then in the original, I feel like he was kind of uh it was more his actual acting ability and it, it wasn't very high at that moment. So yeah, I, it's my least favorite. It's very cringy to watch it. Um, so I try and avoid it at all cost. Yeah. Although I do think that Carter Verone is almost comical at certain points because he is the perfect typecast of the vaguely exotic mafia gangster villain from those early 2000s action movies. That's what this movie really is, is just like the most early 2000s action movie I can think of, but it's bad because there are a lot of fun early 2000 action movies that everybody enjoys. But this one, it had all the stereotypes of that, but then instead of being good, it was just not good. And there were too much too much cops yelling at each other about whose job it really was to really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, one more thing about it. It went along with something that was in most of the series up through like uh, six, I think where it was, you know, there was always a cop who was undercover and that's what Eva Mendez was. And the, when they revealed themselves to be the opposite side, you know, it, it didn't really fit. No. But it's just something that they had to shoehorn into every every uh, movie at that point. Exactly. And I recognize the important building block of having Tyrese there because he becomes one of the better overall characters in the movie franchise, I would argue, later on. But that was in, you know, this movie was made, in, I think, like 2002 or 2003. And it didn't really have any impact until, you know, 14 years later. So, yeah. 
Anyway, moving on. What is your next movie, Stephen? Uh, number six, I have Furious 7. Um, I know that that might be a little controversial because of uh, the... It had an impossible task. It didn't start out that way, but when Paul Walker died, it ended up with an impossible task of trying to finish a movie with a beloved actor um, not being able to do it. And I think it, it, what it did do was provide like the only serious, real emotional moment of the entire series which was at the end when uh, Wiz Khalifa played and Paul Walker's Paul Walker drove off. And, but it was only, it wasn't emotional because of the story or the movie. It was, you know, I was saying goodbye to Paul Walker for fans. But other than that, I thought it was, there was just too much going on. Um, a lot of good action scenes, but compared to the rest of the stuff, it just wasn't as high level uh, actual Fast and the Furious movie for me. That's a very interesting opinion. One thing I one thing I do think about this movie is that I am pretty sure prior to Paul Walker's passing that this movie was supposed to be the last one. Because if you look at everything that happened and especially the way that Dom's like borderline death scene happens, that is the only scene in all of the movies where Dom comes anywhere close to being eliminated as a character. And so it was all very dramatic and the way that they're talking about it. I'm pretty sure Fast and the Fast or Furious 7 is the one last ride movie. That was like yeah. the tagline for the whole movie. Very much think that it was supposed to be the last in the series ahead of Paul Walker passing. Obviously that changed. So the tone is a little off there in that regard. But I actually like this movie a lot because I loved Jason Statham as Jack Deckard Shaw. I thought he was an outstanding villain and having a good villain in these movies is really important to the overall plot structure thing because, you know, the, the writing isn't going to be fantastic. Everybody understands that going in. The, the, the motivations of the characters are kind of summed up pretty simply as they're either stopping a world-destroying threat or they're trying to protect their family and that's it. So they need a strong villain to really get people into the movie and to drive the plot along, and I thought that was great. But on the other hand, they kind of shoehorn Moses Jaconde in there as like the other villain that you deal with the whole time. Yeah. But we cannot go and talking about this movie without mentioning perhaps the most Dwayne The Rock Johnson moment I have ever seen in my entire life post WWE was him flexing out of his cast with a broken arm right after he was seen watching his old U of Miami highlights on TV. Fun little <laughs> Easter egg in there for everybody. But I thought that was outstanding. I actually had Furious 7 ranked pretty high because I really enjoyed the action scenes. And like I said, previously mentioned, I had the villains come in, but my, where my, where I rank at number six is I thought actually I had fast and furious as you put your last there. And we already discussed why that's bad. And I still pretty much feel the same way about it. I think it's the only fast and the furious movie I haven't watched more than three times. I think I've only seen it twice as a matter of fact. And that, if anything, should tell everybody that it's not worth watching because I will watch these movies literally whenever. Well, and I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like furious seven, um, it's still a movie that I will watch when it's on. I really enjoy it. It's just that once you get past uh, Too Fast, Too Furious and Fast and the Furious, these are movies that I all genuinely enjoy a lot. So it's just kind of picking your favorite kid here. Yeah, exactly. Now we are on number five. I'll start with number five here. My number five movie. Uh, so we're kind of getting to the part where we're starting to get to the better movies a little bit, but we're still in that middle range of like, eh. And so my number five is Fast Six, which is the reintroduction of Letty's character. 
most prominently. We introduce Owen Shaw as like this evil British guy. And this is when the movies take a significant step up as far as the scope of what they're doing. Fast Six is the first international, like truly international, there's a world ending plot going on. We need you guys to fix that, which is even in the movie is borderline inexplicable. So I like it because it brings in Letty again. I like Michelle Rodriguez. I think she's great. I didn't like it because the amnesia thing is just a really weak movie cliche. And I really feel like they could have done something a little bit smarter there, but they didn't. Uh, like I was previously talking about with the villain stuff, Owen Shaw was a good villain. But overall, the real what really sinks this movie down to number five for me is the runway scene at the end of that movie is just too preposterous for me like that runway was so long it was impossibly long in fact i've seen so many graphics i remember seeing that movie when i was in high school and i sorry to make a few holes there Stephen. and i watched <laughs> that with my friends and my friends were all like that doesn't seem right that like that that ending scene was like 40 minutes long and never going really fast how long is that runway so we looked it up and the runway if they had been going that speed on that runway for that length of time would have been the length of the continental United States. And so that fact is always just stuck in my mind and I can't get it out. And that's why I don't really like rewatching Fast Six. And that's why it's number five on my rankings. All right. Well, first of all, you need suspension of disbelief. How do we know that there is not a runway somewhere that, uh, that stretches from New York to California? We don't. It's impossible. So... Fast Six, um, I had them ranked much higher. I It's one of the most enjoyable ones for me. Um, I had number two. Oh, wow. Okay. I It is the movie where they switch from kind of being just criminals or, you know, dealing with bad guys to saving the world. Yeah, they kind of, that's, this is the one where they kind of become superheroes. And what really step this series up in in my opinion is at the beginning of fast six there's they don't just you know put the credits under put the names of the actors underneath the, the action there is an opening credits there's like a three minute song where they're show, they're flashing back to old old movies and it's just incredible it's like suddenly it's a tv show but each episode is two and a half hours <laughs> and I, I just love it. It's great. Um, let's see. Fast Six is the one where Gina Carano's there. Mm-hmm. Um, she's probably, as far as the one-off uh, pseudo-celebrity kind of actress that they shove in the movie, I thought she was the best as, at least when she was being the uh, actual agent with uh, Hobbs. But then her, her reveal as actually being a bad guy makes zero sense she had just had a knockdown drag out brawl in the city center with uh letty i mean they were trying to kill each other if they were on the same side you know maybe gina, gina crown doesn't put her in a uh, arm bar and try and break her uh limb off but yeah i i think the action is great in this one and i mean it's the rock you know you've got it's one of the ones that heavily features the rock so you can't go wrong there. That is objectively yeah. true. And I think that one of the reasons I do like this movie is that scene where they have a car chase with a tank 
was the first scene for me in my fast fandom where I was like, okay, all bets are off. Like <laughs> anything can happen in these movies. Cause obviously the previous movie had fast five where they drive to safe through the street and we'll get to that later. But that was ridiculous and absurd. But I think that having the bad guys break out a literal tank and they defeat it by driving cars somehow was the moment for me where I was like, this could go places. This movie franchise, if they don't care at all about this sort of thing, this could really go places. So I do have a fondness for it, but I just I just can't get over the runway thing. And I understand the dis- suspension of disbelief is key for these movies. And I'm really good about it in every other respect, except for that one specific thing. And I think that's more of a, just a me problem than like a movie critic thing. But what was your fifth rank movie? Uh, let's see. My fifth was the original, The Fast and the Furious. Um, when this came out in 2001, first of all, I was old enough to see it, but I did not. I had I had no interest in car racing movies at the time. Um, I might have seen it on like I'm not gonna say VHS, but uh, DVD when it first when it came out like later. I remember being at the movies um, when it came out. I was seeing something else and I remember being in the parking lot and people actually peeling out, you know, and that was like the first time that had happened. Um, And that kind of became a tradition of people going to see these movies. And then they're so wired when they get out that they get in floored out of, uh, out of in front of the Sbarro's or whatever. (laughs) But uh, the original one, you know, it's, it doesn't really hold up, but it's just so important. And it, it captures a, certain period of time as they were trying at the at the time it was just it was gonna be a point break ripoff based on a like a newspaper article or magazine article about uh street racing and to f- the fact that how i mean it was probably like two thousand words or something in a magazine that like two people read and then 20 <laughs> years later it's the biggest franchise in america it's it's pretty incredible if you think about it like that so I mean, I, I like it. I'll rewatch it just for it. Just like just Paul Walker and Vin Diesel getting to know each other. And it's, it's okay, but I moved it up because of uh, how important it was. Yeah. The importance obviously can't be understated. And I think uh, besides all the things that you just said, it really encapsulates like the what the only theme that carries over from movie to movie is like the whole, you know, my family. You're always a member of the family. That and the Corona thing. Those are like the two things that this movie introduced that they have kept from 2001 and will presumably keep in 2021 when Fast 9 comes out. So that's why I have ranked, I have that ranked a little bit higher on mine, but I'll talk about why I like it later because as you aptly pointed out, I could was not old enough to see it when it came out. So I saw it, uh, you know, I think that was like 13 or 14 when I first saw it. I was just obsessed. I loved it. It just had... It was just dumb. It was dumb and it was enjoyable and it really didn't make a ton of sense, but I loved it anyway. I also want to give a quick shout out the villain in that movie, Tran. I liked him a lot. I thought he was a very balanced villain of like this guy isn't, especially when you compare it to later movies, this guy isn't like outrageous. He's just sort of an asshole criminal who doesn't like them. And that's why this is all, this has become such a problem. But we will move on to number four, which we might have as the same movies now that I'm thinking about it because we have been very different though so far, but we're running out of options here. So my number four was the fate of the Furies. Mine too. Yeah. 
very enjoyable blockbuster action movie. As a Fast and the Furious movie, pretty good. I thought Charlize Theron was an outstanding villain, probably the best big time villain in the franchise in terms of just, you know, how intelligent she is. And I mean, I don't know about the Dread thing, but everything else about her was really good. I thought that it really, you know, was a switch up from like the action movie villains of the previous ones. She's more of like an evil hacker sort of thing. And she's not really there a lot, but she really is intimidating. And then obviously they blow up a fucking nuclear submarine. So that's pretty awesome. But what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was a kind of a perfect mix of, you know, the whole gang being together. I mean, minus Paul Walker and just trying to save the world and good action pieces. You know, you've got the rock you introduce. Oh, was that the one where, all right. Look out that. Timestamp note. Is that the one where, where was Mr. Nobody come in? That one? Yes, right? No, he comes in in seven. He comes in in, he comes in, in seven, yeah. Okay. Six is the rock showing up and being like, we need your help, slaps Manila folder down. But then the seventh is when Mr. Nobody shows up and he saved, because he saves Dom from fighting Shaw in uh, that like weird underpass where they both just drive into each other like fucking maniacs. Yeah, and, he, and he's angry that he's got like a reinforced chassis or something yeah yeah we don't even need to cut this part out i mean that's that's part of the beauty of these movies (laughs) there's just so much going on there are people coming and going that you know it's just uh, this is just a good action movie you know and it 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 shows them using all the different toys and it keeps expanding the world it's just a it's a good movie and I thought that uh, them or having Cypher shoot Dom's baby mama, Elena, was an unexpected, unexpectedly heart-wrenching moment in these movies. Because that was like really messed up. Like no other significant character in the movie had died to this point, unless you count Vince, who had like an almost unnatural amount of screen time in the first one and was killed in the fifth one. But she didn't really feel that much about that because he showed up for like, he had like 20 minutes of screen time total in that movie. But Elena was a main character of that movie. And then she ends up getting shot. Like that was crazy. That was very much out of character for these movies, which helped me get into it in the moment for sure, which I think is a point for. I mean, it was and it wasn't because I mean, they 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 definitely have their cake and eat it too because they have killed off main characters. They killed off Um, in the third movie which turned out to actually be the seventh movie chronologically i the the twist they they killed they killed letty they killed han again (laughs) they killed they killed they just just keep bringing people back they they give give the highest stakes possible of killing somebody and then they just erase it because i mean at its heart it's a fun stupid series of movies about guys driving cars fast (laughs) <laughs> that is the beauty i suppose but yeah though no, have their cake and eat it too is a good one to describe it but i think i mean yeah overall this was my probably my favorite like action movie of the bunch because it was just escalating in terms of outrageousness but everything was executed really well i thought all like the you know set and the they used all that money to good use and that sort of thing in this one for sure and i did think that dom was really it was a fun twist that they had Dom fighting against his crew. Like, it's pretty, you know, it's not exactly out of the box or, you know, unexpected or anything like that, but it was still really fun, and I did not see it coming at all. 
yeah, as we talked about with the the undercover cops, the the real hallmark besides family is somebody is playing the other side, yeah. and they flip. And then even with uh, the Shaw brothers, they flip, even though they that wasn't how they were. They end up just guys taking different sides and going back and forth. And most importantly, perhaps this movie introduced Helen Mirren as a main character. Absolutely, yeah. she is. Yeah, I mean, what a part of the crew. What a great thing to say about these movies that after like six of them, Helen Mirren's like, well, I want to be involved in this. <laughs> I mean, Helen Mirren's like a classic actress with like real credentials, and she's like. Well, I want to have fun. I want to drive cars. I want to blow people up or whatever. I mean, I don't know what she does in nine, but she's just like, I want to be a part of this world. That's how kind of big these movies really are. Obviously, exactly. aside from being blockbusters. Yeah, obviously. Like Helen Mirren is one of the few people alive who has a Tony, a Grammy, and an or an Oscar and an Emmy. There are not many people like that out there. And somehow she has that. And then not only said she won't be in the Fast and Furious movies, but has embarked upon a public campaign to allow her to drive in the Fast and the Furious movies to the media. Yeah. And it seemed from the trailer in the ninth one that we might get that. There was a brief glimpse. We'll have to see. But that would be a pivotal moment in the series, I think. And now we'll move on to number three. Our top three are going to be very different here, but our top one might be the same. I'm interested in seeing what happens. What is your third overall Fast and the Furious movie, Steve? My third overall was the third movie released, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Oh, man. Um, I, I kind of have, compli- have a complicated relationship with all these movies from when they first came out. Um, I remember it was before I enjoyed the fast and the furious movies uh tokyo drift came out its name was a punchline um one of my friends uh downloaded it off the internet and it was a horrible like it was one of those bootlegs where like the guy has the camcorder so and he had he burned it onto a dvd and we watched it and it was just like the worst picture ever and it starts with kid rock and uh, Lucas Black and Brad from Home Improvement in a race through a uh, construction site and I was like I don't even think we finished watching it because it was such a horrible picture <laughs> and then after I saw uh, my number one Fast and Furious movie my favorite I kind of looked back and started watching him and Tokyo Drift was on maybe HBO and probably Spike TV a lot during the days when I was working from yeah, home. It was a Spike TV regular, even. I yeah. So I ended up watching having Tokyo drift on the background. And the more I watched it, I was just like, Oh, well, this is good. This is enjoyable. And I think it's just, I, I love the villain in it. Um, I think Lucas black is really good. I, it's weird that it's kind of set in high school. And Lucas Black is clearly, he, he's been playing a high schooler for like 15 years at this point. Um, and Han is hanging out with high schoolers. And uh, Bow Wow is a high schooler who has like these military brat connections who can apparently get Jordans and Hulk-shaped uh, PT cruisers or whatever. Um, yeah, I it's probably... It's my second favorite to watch over and over again. And I, I will stand Tokyo Drift forever. Okay. 
I acknowledge and respect your opinion. And I think <laughs> upon what you were hearing, what you said, I actually have a little bit of introspection in that I watched uh, Tokyo Drift pretty soon after I watched the first Fast and the Furious movie. And I was not at all in the know about what these movies were about. So I think I assumed going in the first time I saw it that it was going to be a Fast and the Furious true sequel. And I was like, hell yeah, Dom and Brian again, let's go. And obviously it was not. It was actually very much not that. So I think I was maybe a little bit harsh on it when I slammed it in the past. But at the same time, I can't, I can't say that I you know, love Lucas Black in that movie. I don't think it's good. Uh, I mean, it's just not, to me, it's not like a Fast and the Furious movie because it doesn't have Dom and Brian. And that's like a me thing, but that's just, I can't get over the fact that they tried to have a Fast and the Furious movie without either of them. Like one or the other, whatever. And Han is in it, so it makes it canon because if Han wasn't there, then I think they would have just ignored that this existed. But he was. And most importantly, I think the biggest compliment I can give Tokyo Drift is that it united Justin Lin and Chris Morgan, the director and writer who took on all of the movies after that, obviously really important. And then it, and as you were saying, it's kind of weird that not only is Han hanging out with high schoolers, he's hanging out with high schoolers in the timeline of these movies after the most traumatic loss of his entire life. So I don't know if we want to dig into that, <laughs> but that, I mean, you know, there it's, it's, it's fine. I did like Tokyo as a backdrop though. I did enjoy the, the filming and the, as we were previously stating, the foundation of these movies is racing cars, the racing car scenes in those movies, that movie was pretty good, but I left it off my list entirely. I won't lie to you. That's understandable. I, I mean, it's, it's not everyone's cup of tea, um, but one of the best things about Tokyo Drift is that, it just, it really reinforced that the naming conventions of the movies made no sense. I mean, Too Fast, Too Furious is that lazy thing where you stick the two in there. And then they're like, oh, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. And at that point, I wonder if their plan was just like examine street racing in different places using the Fast and the Furious label. And then instead they're like, oh, well, Vin Diesel came back to the set. He filmed his cameo at the end. We can tie this back in. We can get Paul Walker back. We can start it back with the fourth movie. And then the way that I, I don't remember if they ever even explained it until the end of uh, fast six, when they're like, Oh, well actually Tokyo drift, which happened like 10 years ago, it actually happens now. <laughs> I have, yeah, I mean, they just they will do whatever to kind of push the story forward and get uh, just to just to get Han back. You know, I, I can't wait to see how they bring him back again in nine. I think that's the especially hilarious thing about what you were just saying is that for people who watch these movies and watch Tokyo Drift, and then Han just appears in Fast Five and there is absolutely no reference, no explanation, no nothing. You're just kind of sitting there like, oh, I guess he's alive again. It's one of the, the beautiful things about these movies is that they'll just throw that shit at you. And it's like, okay, I'll take that. Just keep going. My third overall movie here was Furious 7. I liked it a lot, as you can tell from our previous discussions. I thought uh, Jason Statham's villain in this was amazing. He was one of, I think he's the only villain in these movies short of Fate of the Furious after Cypher shot Elena. He was the only first villain that I like hated in these movies. The rest of them were kind of like, 
they're pretty lame. They're obviously bad and like violent and whatever, but I don't despise them. I despise Deckard Shaw. He killed Han. He comes in and tries to blow up Brian and Brian and um, Mia's kids. Like that was crazy. This is the movie with the kids in it. And then I cannot lie to you. I have a great fondness for the scene where they, well, the two scenes, I should say. One scene where they airdrop out of an airplane with cars and just yep. parachute into Azerbaijan. And then number two, when they are driving through those buildings in Abu Dhabi or whatever Middle Eastern country that was supposed to be, that was outstanding. That was stupid, but it was outstanding. It was just have watching a $2 million car fly through these windows on like the 500 story of these skyscrapers was sick. It was one of the, it was a top three moment in Fast and the Furious era for me. Yeah. And what set it up was, uh, was Vin Diesel, Dom, picking up the car <laughs> so that Paul Walker could go underneath it. Uh, that that is almost that's probably more ridiculous than uh, the aerodynamics and science involved the <laughs> involved of jumping one car from one building to another. And I mean, we mentioned Gina Carano earlier. This is the one that had Ronda Rousey, who was barely able to speak. No. She was just. <laughs> She was just a worthless addition. I mean, this is back when Ronda Rousey, she was big. You know, you forget how how, much a part of the site, guys. You forget how big of a part of the culture uh, Ronda Rousey was, how big of a star she was. They're like, well, we have to get her in Fast and the Furious. And then they probably got her there and like, oh, well, we can't really do anything with her. You know, which is is fine. Not everybody's an actor. I mean, not everybody gets Tyrese's chances to you know really become himself sure her uh, fight scene was pretty good i'll say that much the actual acting wasn't great but she executed the like patterns and the choreography of the fight scene pretty well yeah that's that says a lot about um the changes from being like these criminals that hijack trucks where michelle rodriguez all she did was you know drive sometimes and then by uh six she's like She's fighting the uh, two most, two of the three most badass women to ever walk the planet. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie, especially, I think it was the greatest demonstration of The Rock's strength out of all of the movies. Because you mentioned he's, he picked up that car. And then at the end of the movie, fresh out of the hospital after flexing himself out of the cast, like I previously mentioned, he takes down a helicopter, or he att- tries to take down a helicopter by picking up a minigun and shooting it. Like, he just picked a minigun up off the fucking ground. Like, that's insane. <laughs> God, great movies. Anyway, we will move on to our final two here. Final two, big, big, big stuff. So, Stephen, what is your second favorite Fast and the Furious movie? My second favorite is Fast 6. You know, we already talked about it earlier. Um, it's another Justin Lin movie, the last one he directed until uh, this new coming one. Um, that, that was like the, that was, that was the peak, right? The Justin Lin years for me, uh, Tokyo, like three of the four movies are my favorites. Um, I think he had a great handle on, you know, what made these movies great. And he was a lot of shaping what, what did become great in Fast and Furious franchise. So, you know, Fast Six, I, that's another one that I ended up watching on HBO, probably i don't know a million times during daylight hours just having it on the background 
and enjoying the rock and the family as they all kind of as they all became one yeah i think you're 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 making me introspective about how much i dislike that movie i think i might be letting the runway thing over overwhelm my other thoughts on it and i might need to go rewatch it not like i need a real excuse to rewatch a serious <laughs> <your> movie <laughs> But my second fast and the favorites, my second favorite Fast and the Furious movie was the original Fast, the Fast and the Furious. I just loved it. I really, I, it's like you said, it's a period piece, basically. There's just a lot of just classic 2001 shit in there. I just, it, it brings me back to a certain time when I watched it, where I was like kind of getting into like movies as a concept and understanding that like each movie is sort of like its own piece of art and that sort of thing. And while describing the Fast and the Furious as art might infuriate some people, I would argue that it is. And I think that they should go back to race wars sooner rather than later, personally. And that brings us to number one. If anybody has been keeping count, me and Steven do have, in fact, the same favorite Fast and the Furious movie. And I don't think a lot of people would disagree with us. And that movie is Fast Five. Fast Five takes place in Brazil. It is my very favorite Fast and the Furious movie to watch. I have seen it so many times. I'm probably up in the double digits at this point. And I love it because, and I was thinking about this when I rewatched it over the weekend in preparation for this podcast, is that it is the perfect level of stakes for me, of like, what's at stake? It is just small enough that, you know, they're just trying to get money so they can escape the law. And that's it. The way that they do that by robbing the biggest criminal in Brazil takes it up a little bit of a notch. You bring in The Rock as a like an international crime fighter for America, I guess is probably how I would best describe his whole role there. You bring him in to add a little bit more drama and then that's that's it. They're fighting for their freedom. They're fighting for their family. They're fighting for money. There is no like nuclear device at the center of Brazil that would eliminate half of South America. There's no you know code that would take over all the world's computers or anything like that. It is perfectly sized that gets you invested and allows for them to ratchet everything up a notch, but without taking it to the lengths and extremes that we see later on in the franchise, which are enjoyable, but not as enjoyable as this, I think. Yeah, you put it perfectly saying that the stakes are the perfect amount. Or they it's grounded in reality as as much as dragging that giant safe through brazil and not racking up a thousand deaths is grounded in reality but like that's if you put two higher powered cars and strap them to the safe you could probably drag it i don't know maybe <laughs> But again, that's where suspension of disbelief comes in. And this is actually something that like, well, I don't know. I don't know how many horsepower it would take to carry $100,000 in a safe. But, you know, it's, it's part Ocean's Eleven. Um, it's where everybody comes together for the first time. It's where the family is kind of complete. You know, it brings back Han without any explanation. Um, it brings Giselle and it brings... The people from the original um it ties everything together and it's just so many great action scenes and just it, this is the franchise viagra one this is the one where the rock called himself franchise viagra when he where he goes into a franchise and he just invigorates it and he really did he 
this movie changed this entire franchise. It's there's such a difference from four to five in like just how good the story is, how good the acting is, everything about it. This is one of it might be one of my favorite movies ever. And it's the one that really got me into the Fast and the Furious. I went to a drive in movies with my wife and the double header was uh, Fast Five and Bridesmaids and Fast Five was on first and I had no interest in it really. And by the time they got off the train and jumped the cars into that river to get away, I was like, okay, this is good. <laughs> this is an enjoyable action movie. And it just never let up. And it was so good that I was like, oh, maybe I need to re-examine these movies. And by the time Fast 6 came out, I was like, they're opening night. Yeah, this was the movie for me that was reminded me of how alone I was going to be, relatively speaking, in this Fast and the Furious stan area. Because I went and saw that with my buddies and we all walked out of it. They, like, I think I saw it with literally eight of my friends because, you know, what do you do on a Friday night in a small town when you're in high school, you go to a movie. And we went to the movie and they were all like, that That was the stupidest movie we've ever seen in our life. Like, that was preposterous. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? We just saw an awesome movie. Like, yeah, it was ridiculous, but it was friggin' awesome. And so it did really similar to you. It sparked my love for this, this series. And I think that, I mean, the introduction of The Rock, like you said, changed everything because... I think the biggest addition of The Rock, besides all the things you listed, is that the acting is ratcheted up a notch. It also allows them to like focus in more on like the quality actors in the series, like The Rock and Vin Diesel, more or less. Both good actors. Everybody else kind of struggles to meet that good threshold, but settles firmly into like fine. If the screen time is mostly being taken up by The Rock and Vin Diesel having their emotional moments, and then you kind of have everything else happening off to the side, it makes it more enjoyable viewing experience. But I also think that it just, it was just awesome. It was just the safe dragging scene. The one thing that I will say about the movie that I didn't love super much is that this is the only movie where I actually had a little bit of a question into my mind as to whether or not these guys were the good guys, because they did in an effort to rob somebody who was very bad. The criminal in that movie was terrible. He sucked. He had a lot of money, terrorized Brazil, all that, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> but they did drag his safe through the streets of Brazil, and as you so aptly noted, definitely racked up like a quadruple-digit body count. There is no way that safe went through a building and didn't kill anybody, especially after they demonstrated how dangerous the wires connecting the car to the safe would be when Dom used it to cut off some guy's head. I mean, they didn't show it, but it's obviously implied. He cut off that guy's head on the bridge. So that was my one downside. But I mean, overall, I just, it's it's the best action movie. The stakes are very, you know, they're very appropriately set for this movie. And it still comes back to those basic themes of like, we're, you know, fighting for our family and for our freedom and that's it. And do you want a Corona? You're saying <laughs> grace, bada bing, bada boom, it's done. It's just, a, it's the best Fast and the Furious movie. I, th I don't think it's even close, honestly. I think it's by, far and away. The best. No, I would agree with you there. Whew. Man, these movies are just, they are something. They are something. And I believe they're going to finish it off after 10 because Vin Diesel keeps talking about nearing the end of the journey when he's promoting this, but it's not like the end of the journey yet. So 10 movies. And if they have a hit rate on eight of them, as far as being, you know, good enough action movies, then that's pretty good, I would say. Well, I mean, it's, it's also 10 movies plus... I mean, this could, this is basically like 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Star Wars universe set on Earth with with non super well, Hobbs and Shaw introduced superhumans. Um, but I mean, there's who who knows what they'll do, you know, after the tenth official Fast and Furious movie. I mean, maybe they'll do more spinoffs. Maybe Han will have a some kind of spinoff where he's a uh, just keeps getting reincarnated. And he doesn't understand it. I, I mean, <laughs> kind of like that Mark Wahlberg movie that's coming out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that be a good like HBO Max series where it's just like Han keeps waking up and has to do all these these little quests like he's in a video game? Mister Nobody but, just waking him up like Good Morning Han. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where the these next two movies go. I I know I'll enjoy them um, as many problems as I'm sure they'll have with plot and acting but you know it's at this point it's it's just a kind of a cultural event and they're just enjoyable movies and they make a lot of awesome gifts and i will say something that i have been saying to people for years but never in a public forum until right now i am patiently awaiting the day that they choose to utilize Ludacris's hit song move bitch get out the way at any point in any of these movies, and then I will go berserk in the theater. I've been waiting for it since past five, and they have not once used it, not even for a credit song, which is crazy. So I think they're I think they're as aware of that as I am, and I think they're gonna be saving it for like the final action scene in Fast 10 or something. I can already envision Ludacris being like, oh yeah, as he sits in the car, cranks the radio. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I there's a big opportunity here for a uh men in black wild wild west type scenario <laughs> where Ludacris does a song about this one of these movies and it's just been sitting there but you know maybe maybe Luda's not into that which is fine you know he's he can do whatever he wants you know he's a he went from what working on cars to being like a world elite hacker with no again no explanation he went from like get, get making his money off of his gambling buddies in his car shop in miami with brian and then he shows up in fast five and is like i know how to crack a safe yeah and I, can, then, I can figure it out don't worry about it and then he can do martial arts by like uh movie seven <sighs> amazing movies truly Anyway, listeners, that is our best of seven Fast and the Furious. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am your temporary host, Liam McEwen, and alongside me is other temporary host, Stephen Douglas. We thank you so much for your time. 